So this woman was holding this sign up. And then when she, and, and you could tell she was struggling with the sign. So I was like, I can hold it for you. And I was like, why are you here? And she was like, well, um, my parents survived. Uh, my mother survived Auschwitz. My dad did not. And I do not want the same thing happening to my Muslim brothers and sisters. Welcome back to I'm the Villain. Uh, today we're going to be talking about representation with Freeney, who actually has is another podcaster. Um, we've had a number of other guests that have had podcasts. We always love to have a fellow podcaster on as a guest. Freeney, why don't you just give a short intro to what you talk about on your podcast? Sure. Hi, everyone. Thank you for having me here. First off, I appreciate it. On my podcast, I try to cover things that are just bringing, again, to normalize Muslims because we are everywhere. We're in different fields of life and you will probably know a few Muslims in your life and you might be like, well, that person's a Muslim I never knew. And so my podcast's idea is just to kind of be an open book to Muslims and not mm-hmm. in the religious sense. It's more in the sense that, hey, there are regular people like you and me doing regular things. So I bring out a lot of guests who do interesting things. Um, and then I also do like solo episodes where I talk about things that are happening or common um misrepresentations that people have. Um, I've done episodes on how women actually have a lot of rights in Islam. And that's a big hot topic because people in general feel that women have no rights. But I'm like, well, if you truly read the religion, you actually do. And you have to just kind of work your way around it. So I try to simplify (laughs) Islam, so to speak. So I'm curious as to just like, yeah, what was your thoughts behind um, why this is like an interesting topic to you and like if you have any personal experiences and like that kind of thing. With representation yeah. in general, I feel like representation has definitely gotten much better and I think us Muslims were kind of shoved into it after 9-11. Like, okay, hey, those people, those guys, those are the ones. So we got like that, you know, like jumpstart, kickstart that no one wanted. <laughs> and so everyone <laughs> kind of knew about this, the bad guy, the terrorist, the horrible Muslims. And then uh, uh, you know, along with that, you got to know people who were just average people who were just, yeah, we're, we're here. We've been here for years. It's not like the mass Al-Qaeda plan. We're just regular folks. And I think representation over the past 10 years has definitely gotten better. In the first six, seven years after 9-11, and I was in college in 9-11, and I remember for the five, six years after that, every time you would hear about a Muslim person in TV, movies, dramas, whatever, They were always the bad guy. They were, you know, speaking in this way that I've never recognized. And they were doing things that I was like, this is not normal for us. And it was just the bad guy. And then slowly, I think about 10 years ago, you start seeing this like change when you had more people like, um, you know, like uh, Hassan Minhaj and all these people coming on board, kind of paving the way for this new type of Muslim representation where it's, hey, We can be comedians, we can be state representatives, we can be the regular folk. And now I've seen more in TV recently, more so very recently, where you'll see like positive Muslim characters who are just, you know, regular people. Um, I mean, it's a funny quote to give, but like uh, the most recent one where I saw someone very normal was in Spider-Man Far From Home, which is such a random example (laughs) of a movie. But like, Peter Parker's on this Euro trip and he has like a hijab wearing classmate and she's just a regular person. She's not, she doesn't have much lines, but she's just like, this is a normal thing, a normal mixed classroom where there are a bunch of kids, they're having fun. And like, she was not the focus of the movie at all. Like it was a side there. And I was like, that's how it should be that there are people who are just look different, seem different. And they're just part of the, you know, the 
intermesh of the world. So it, it is getting better. And uh, another show I like to quote a lot is um, lately, I've been, I, I love crime shows, love them. So mm-hmm. like Law and Order, been watching for 15 years. So I'm a diehard fan. And yeah. when they came out with their new series called FBI, they have always, they always have two main characters. So the one main character is a white woman, but the other one is an Egyptian man. And he's Muslim and he quotes like the Quran and he'll like toss in religion in here and there. But it's always just, I'm an FBI agent in American first before I am this. But it's, right. like, it's not like he, he's like that anti-Islam, like, oh, I hate my religion because my religion oppresses me. So mm-hmm. it's getting better. And representation, I think, in all types is very important because that's how you get to normalize things, whatever normal is anymore now. Right. <laughs> it is kind of yeah. wild how like how recent it, it seems because I'm trying to think about like yeah when is the first time I saw like real Muslim rep- representation and it does feel like within like the last year or two almost probably and you know what there I think it's coming more in the forefront and that whole idea of Islamophobia which was very big after 9/11 and continued for a long time there's no there's not as I'm not gonna say there isn't Islamophobia there is but there isn't as much like that spotlight attention on Muslims as much as it was before. Like, yeah. but right. when the, when the, um, the Muslim ban happened, I was, um, at that time I was expecting my third one. I was three months pregnant and I found out that the ban is going into place. And I was the first Muslim on site at Dallas airport. And it actually, it kind of, it made me feel bad and angered at my own community because I was there and I'm like, yo, I'm expecting. I should not be anywhere near this at all. But I was there. And then right in front of me was this little old Jewish woman holding up that, like a huge, I mean, it was like triple her size. You remember that uh, American flag hijab poster that was cu- going around during the whole women's march and everything? Yeah. Yeah. yeah it, was like, it was like the sketch with like a woman wearing a hijab, but it's like an American flag. So this woman was holding this sign up and then when she, and and you could tell she was struggling with the sign. So I was like, I can hold it for you. And I was like, why are you here? And she was like, well, um, my parents survived. uh, My mother survived Auschwitz. My dad did not. And I do not want the same thing happening to my Muslim brothers and sisters. And then there was, I think, a whole bunch of LGBTQ community members there. A lot of other communities showed up first before my own community showed up. Mm-hmm. And I was, mm-hmm. I was annoyed at them. I was like, and I was on Facebook. I was like, guys, please come on, show up. This is for us. These people are here for us. So can we be here to show them that we are actually supportive of them? Mm-hmm. So that, that was, you know, a little bit of an eye opener that it took a lot of people to like come before a mass group came. And it's, it's disheartening sometimes, but you kind of have to be like, okay, you know, keep working at it, keep working at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm curious because I don't even think that I have as much exposure to what I I learned like when I was in college. And that was like a really like shocking statistic to me that there's just as many Muslims in this country as there are Jews. It's about 5% for both. Right. Mm -hmm. But like among Mm -hmm. my friends in college, like the Jews were so many more, like so much more represented than like, you know, any, like I, I maybe had like a couple Muslim friends, but like almost all of the people who were like, who, who were like white basically were Jewish of the friends that I had. Right. And I'm curious because I've never actually had this like kind of conversation, even with like my couple of like Muslim friends, do you feel like, you know, the, cause like all the people in that airport seem like they were much more like liberal. Right. But Mm -hmm. do you feel like in the actual practice of like, you know, where I think that people associate like 
you know, pretty hardcore religion with being more conservative, you know? So like, do you feel like it's kind of a weird place where like, like Muslims have to straddle between like, yes, technically we're kind of like in, like we've been adopted by the blue tribe, but actually there's like things that like, you know, are from like things about the red tribe that also kind of appeal to like the culture of being a Muslim and like the religion aspect of it, you know? It, it is true in some senses, yes. And a lot of the conservative um, thought process does, does match with a certain party's, you know, ideology. Yeah. But the thing is, it, it can, it's, it's, it's a double-edged sword because in my mind, most of the Muslims that, a bulk of them, not all, are immigrants. And they came here for a better life. And I was like, well, the party that's more for immigration and all these, you know, accepting things is the other mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. So how do you justify this and that? But it always comes down to that one, one, uh, one issue voter. And it's mm-hmm. like, well, no. Yeah. Know, all lives are important. So babies need to be born. It's like, well, well, who's going to take care of those babies? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's I like, how do you... As much as the next person. I love babies, but I'm like, I, I totally understand if someone is in a situation of... And I, I, I help with an organization here that does work with social issues and women... And if someone's been, God forbid, raped, I mean, let, let them, you know, kind of decide because they didn't decide to do that. So let them decide to do what's next, please. Yeah, and I know that thought process will probably get be blacklisted from all the mosques here half the mm-hmm. time. It's okay. Yeah. Where mm-hmm. you, I'm used to it. But yeah, I, I mean, um, it's not that religion actually says a lot of these things. That's the fascinating part because if you actually start reading up on religion, yeah, a lot of it's you will actually learn like, oh, wait. It says, like, it, our religion, it cl- clearly says, like, I was uh, reading a quote to a couple of my friends the other day, and they were like, your religion says this? And I was like, yeah, it's like one of our, one of our like, big, big, big uh, things, and I'll just read to you guys. It's like one of our uh, great uh, figures said, those who are silent when others are oppressed are guilty of oppression themselves. And I was like, hello? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Can we take the actual teachings we are given and use them instead of making up these new things that oh because this one thing or two things or three things is just unacceptable so you know what let everyone who follows that be considered like horrible and that's where the assimilation part i think this is a big you know the the hot button item is assimilation because people feel especially a lot of muslims they feel that if i hang out with people who are let's say drinking and this may be true for some people if let's say if i had a group i had a group of friends in college they would drink all the time and I was the designated driver all the time. And I was like, you know what? I'm fine with that. I just wanted to, you know, be hang up, be able to hang out with my friends and make sure they're safe. So I was kind of like, you know, I'm watching out for you. I'm not drinking. So we're cool. I got you. And did, but there are people who will think of me as less of a Muslim for even hanging out with people like that. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. Why would you associate with that? Because what if you got tempted? I was like, well, isn't the whole point to fight temptation? If you don't want to do drugs, you shouldn't do drugs. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> And I think it it also comes down to, you know, just like with any other um, minority group, obviously I'm a black guy, like, like we're not monoliths, you know? Yeah. And it's hard. I think, I think that society and media, which is initially what, you know, kind of what we went into this talking about strives to put, you know, minorities into these boxes or into these monoliths. Yeah. And it's weird because like if you're the first whatever, like fill in the blank, if you're like the first Muslim woman in some kind of major TV show or something, Mm -hmm. it's hard to not have your like feel like there's so many such high stakes to that performance because that's going to be like 
the only <laughs> thing that anyone like ever sees exactly. about Muslim women, right? Exactly. And I'm glad you put that out there because there was a movie that just came out this year when Apple TV launched called Hala. Okay. And it was like um, supermarketed, um, produced by Jada Pinkett Smith, like up there. And it just literally, I had a whole podcast episode on how I took down that movie. I was like, it's the same old trope. Stop it. Yeah. <laughs> Stop it with the same thing. It's it's the same thing that was talked about 20 years ago, 15 years ago, five years ago. Can we move on? Like not every single Muslim girl in the world is oppressed and like her dad's like super overbearing and her mom's like a meek cow and this and that and they all just and all she wants is sex and i was like this is not a very good image and this movie of course is being streamed on apple tv all over every place and i was like and it's getting traction for the wrong thing and i was like mm-hmm. this is this is not right stop with the same trope yeah mm-hmm. i think that like there's certain tiers to representation i think you know like bare minimum bare minimum tier is like oh there's someone that looks like that person in a in a film or in media mm-hmm. and i think yeah as you were saying as you were saying that tier often comes with like some stereotypical depiction yeah. of that minority it seems like society is leaning towards like tier 2 or tier 3 of representation is like this person is this demographic but are but they are not defined by that demographic yeah And not every single thing about their identity perfectly aligns with whatever stereotype about those, you know, about that demographic exists. Right. And I'm sure that's how everyone who is in a certain demographic feels like, don't put me in the same box. And then it's like, well, why are you putting me there too? Yeah. It's how I feel about about Tracy Morgan's character in 30 Rock. Like I'm, I don't know if anyway, if either of you watch 30 Rock. I have not seen it. He's just like, he's just like the most you know, kind of like stereotypical black guy that like yes, media yes. has ever thought of. And the hard part is that like, I think that is kind of Tracy Morgan's personality, like, like seeing him like do stand up and like other things like that. But I'm just like, it, it makes me uncomfortable to watch, but obviously there are so many other examples besides Tracy Morgan. There's, yeah. There's many, many, many. And you know, mm-hmm. I, I think hopefully it's changing slowly, slowly, steadily. I don't know. <laughs> but mm-hmm. what do you think? Is it changing? Well, I think it has a lot to do with also whether or not like the place where you come from has the ability to have its own like movie industry. Right. Because like, for example, there's there's so many Asian movies. Right. I'm, I'm Chinese that have kind of come over into, you know, American culture, like not not that many because like there's definitely a whole you know like subset of like you know asian films and chinese films right that that like you know americans would never see but even the fact like parasite you know won you know the the academy award and for best picture and like you know crazy rich asians like all of those were like actually being directed by asian people right and so the fact that like you know even for like Bollywood and like, you know, you need to have some level of like, you have to be a pretty wealthy, at least parts of your country have to be pretty wealthy in order for you to be able to even have a movie industry period. Yes. Right. Yeah. And so I feel like a lot of, a lot of places don't have representation purely because like their country just doesn't have any kind of like robust film industry or Mm -hmm. it's hard for it to like actually travel internationally if they do, you know? Yeah. I mean, uh, even uh, the movie like Parasite, I mean, I I know a lot of people who are just like, no, that shouldn't have won. Why did it win? And I was like, it was pretty good. I saw it twice and I was like, okay. I thought it was I had some like, you know, some parts of it. I was like, eh that's not that believable but I was like but it was pretty well made and I was like oh my god I know I know people like this I know that because you know we have family you know back in India Pakistan and we're like well we know people who probably would do this yeah this is very very 
real and i know like uh wasn't it during the grammys i think wasn't it that uh like bts which are like superstars in the world at this point yeah. i don't even listen to them my, my, i have like all these nieces and nephews and cousins and i remember there was a whole controversy that they couldn't be nominated for best album because they were like well they should be best international but they're like but they're like topping all our charts so why can't they get that like do just just desserts i guess that's the best way of putting it but uh with even with industries and a lot of uh, movies and everything it's also i think who runs those industries like bollywood for example we have family in india and i can tell you they don't look like none of us sing and dance literally none of us know how to sing none of us know how to dance and we're like well the you have to remember also that some of these um movie um industries are being targeted to a certain group of people so yeah. a standard bollywood movie is a lot of you know beautiful locations international locations great outfits you know guy meets girl it's a love story it's always like a happy ending it's meant to be because the people who are watching it the bulk of them may never have enough money to leave the country so that that's their only like vacation and then they may never uh see women dressed in a certain way because it's just not done in society so that's their you know release for that and then the love story the guy the guy coming up from nothing becoming everything because it gives them hope but then you have the niche in bollywood as well which does make these art house films and more social messages and those movies don't do well at all commercially like at yeah, all totally but, but internationally those are the ones that get like oh that was a good movie that was a really good message but mm-hmm. the the stand i think i last year at bollywood at one point is making 800 movies a year. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And of those 800 only two or three were like like money makers. The rest are just kind of yeah. like to feed the masses. Mhm. Yeah. yeah. So I I think yeah, it definitely has to I think a lot to do with like, you know, if if you're you know consuming american media right like i think it also has to do with whether or not like the director themselves like mm-hmm. you know basically like whether or not it's just going to be based off of like stereotypes is going to be whether or not the director themselves even understands or are they just having this character in here in order to have that token person right yeah. to be like let's spice things up and have a like muslim person and yeah. as opposed yeah. to being like a yeah, truly right like <laughs> yeah i saw a really interesting conversation around uh the wire because it's you know like some people consider it to be like one of the best shows ever made and it's uh has like a predominantly black cast takes place in Baltimore um but a really in- interesting topic of discussion in that like the wire was not made by black people mhm oh and really no it wasn't okay. and a lot of the writers weren't black and uh and so when you take those kinds of things into account and you take in like just like at a base level the screenplay of the wire like a bunch of white people like writing the n word or like writing dialogue for black people you know like mm-hmm. it's like like it's representation but like what kind of representation is it and like obviously the result is like a very highly critic- critically acclaimed show yeah um but i think that adds like sort of a another layer of nuance that like is what you were getting at with you know like movies being made by uh people within the minority. Well, what do you yeah. think though? Do you think that that's like okay or like do you think that makes it somehow less of a representation win, you know what I mean, if it was written by white, you know what I mean? Um I think that I think that I fall somewhere in the middle like I do with most things yeah. um <laughs> where it's I think the final product matters a lot. Um Yeah. And cuz you know i i think it's for me i think personally it's a step too far to say like you know white people can't write dialogue for people of color yeah. um 
Because then like, you know, that just like kneecaps a lot of just media in general. And that yeah. would actually lead to like more homogenous media, I think, mm-hmm. you know, um, like, like media with all of like one type of person. Yeah. Um, I think that the wire, because it was like kind of as aggressively, like critically acclaimed and like, it was the launching pad for a lot of really, really prominent black actors. Now, like Idris Elba was on the wire and now he's like a very big, a very big deal for the black community. Um, I think that it has to be done right. But what it seemed like the wire was good at was like very intentionally casting people with like lived experiences and the things that they were trying to depict. Which, you know, I think it could also, um, you know, be flipped on its head and be kind of weird. But I think ultimately it was the way to go. So, like, in the, and specifically in the case of The Wire, I think it's fine. But I think that we see it not done well in a lot of other bits of media, like mm-hmm. with Tracy Morgan's character in 30 Rock, like I was saying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I would love to hear more, like... Like, if you have any sort of, like, movies or shows offhand, I know you, you mentioned Jada Pickett's thing, that, like, you thought did a really bad job at, like, depicting yeah. Muslims. I mean, the the critical claim Homeland. Yeah. yeah. Homeland, I think, I haven't really followed it more in the past two, three seasons, but, like, the beginning few seasons, it was, like, really, what what country are you guys in? They're like, oh, this is Pakistan. And I was like, no, it's not. Like, what? <laughs> 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 and I was like, that's just, it, it, it really... It really makes you annoyed because it's like, well, I understand that you, I, I, I totally understand that you can't actually go to the countries and shoot on location because it's, you know, whatever, it's hard and post-production, whatever, but at least try to make it seem like you are in that place. Or like at, at least, least visit, at you know, least, <laughs> <laughs> like check it out and look at, look at like, okay, well, okay. It seems like this, this type of building is very normal here in Homeland. The first few teachers, every single ho- house had like barbed wire on it. I was like, that's not normal. That's like, mm-hmm. okay, yeah, the army barracks or where, you know, the army is located, but not where, like, you know, you and Normal I. Normal people live. live. Like, yeah, right. Like, what, yeah. what is this? And, like, you know, always, you know, like, men looking look for a chance to fondle women every second they go. I was like, I was like okay, this is, this is, like, feeding those tropes. And I've heard, because I don't watch it at all, but I know, like, people who said that, well, they've gotten better over the last few years and they've, and, and like, now it's ending. And I was like, but it. And I understand because the writer was probably not someone who was Muslim, who was probably not consulted on it or like, oh, let's. And I know many times, uh, I think there was even a funny thing that happened with that show that they had asked artists locally to write like statements on the wall. And so on purpose, they wrote like, this show is all fake. This is all wrong. They make us do this. This is not right. So in like Urdu or Arabic and people who could read the language, they're like, what? (laughs) They're like, yeah, that says, you know, Allahu Akbar. No, it doesn't. It just says this show is fake. That's hilarious. Wow. That's yeah, hilarious. They were, they were like, well, you know, you're going to abuse us this way. So let's, you know, we'll just kind of play cast the fun with it. Wow. And All no right. one noticed because, they're, of course, if you don't know, if you don't have a native person on the cast or the writer's room or something, no one would notice. They're like, oh, yeah, that looks like Arabic. Got it. Good. Yeah. And they're like, nope. You've mentioned uh, this trope a couple times, right? Of like, of like being like sex starved or like, like, mm-hmm. is that a thing? I wasn't really aware of that. Well, basically a lot of, because um, like most monotheistic religions, and I think most religions, where, you know, premarital sex is looked down upon. For sure. For sure, same in Islam. So the idea is that, of course, you get married, then you, have, you, then you can have sex. Okay. Mm-hmm. How many people do that? God knows. And how many people follow it? Who knows? <laughs> We're, humans are humans. So, but usually in... For some reason in Islam, or especially the trope of Islam that they try to put in is that 
girls are being kept under these like lock and keys with like enforced hijab on them. And this is, yes, this is definitely true for a lot of families, but this is not the norm. And they are told that, you know, you cannot do this. And if you do, then you will be, you know, um, honor killed and whatnot. Like exiled. Or ha- yeah, you're, you're exiled, you're useless, you're a piece of crap, and you just need to go in the corner and die. And I mean, this was, this is definitely this happens, but that's more love for like the artistic movies where they do cover these things like honor. Kill. There's some great movies out there on honor killings and how it's wrong. And it shouldn't be done, but they were handled with more care. Like, okay, this is wrong. Let's show you why people do this, why this, you know, thought process is so prevalent. But when movies like these, these mainstream movies make it seem feeding the exact same tropes to like such a wide audience, then it's, it's like, well, you're not telling the true story here. If this movie had come out in like more of a like, you know, art house niche audience, it may have worked kind of. But to be released on such a big streaming platform as Apple and like all over and advertised heavily, like I saw it on my YouTube, I saw it on my Facebook, everywhere, like holla, holla, holla. And I was like, and, and he's like, oh, the Pakistani American Muslim. I was like, okay, this would be cool. We, me and my husband sat down to watch it. And we were just like, what the hell did we just watch? And what was the point of that? Because it made no sense to us. Because yeah. in the movie, she has an overbearing father. And she has the she has a mom who cannot speak a word of English, even though she lives in the U.S. for twenty years. My mom is just like not realistic. <laughs> and and she's speaking the language as if it's like very pure, as it would be back in Pakistan, India. It wouldn't be the same. You know how whenever you move to a different country, your your own language gets a little. My dad says it all the time. He's like, I've forgotten half my words because of living here for forty odd years. And I I I know for a fact, like my mom was only here for like five years and she had picked up English to a degree that she could converse and get things done and whatnot. She wasn't like, I don't know a word of this language. And this movie, they're showing this family that's been here for that many years. And the mom has no idea on language. The dad is overbearing, has a second life, tells his daughter and wife not to do anything, but does it all himself. And I was like, this is, as we were sitting there, we're like, how many stereotypes can we like click off on this right now? Just sitting yeah, yeah. There, like check, 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 check. By the end, I was like, what the heck was that? Yeah. <laughs> Are you familiar with Serial, the podcast? Yes. Uh, when when you're talking about that, it was like I was thinking of like Serial and the treatment of Adnan Syed and yeah. in his trial is a really good example of how like those kinds of tropes actively harm people. Yeah. Because you know, re- I think regardless of where is well, have you seen Serial or heard Serial? Yeah, I've listened to Serial. Yeah. Okay. I think that yeah, one of the big kind of uh, like selling points for the prosecution was that like Adnan was like you know being a traitor to his faith when he when he was dating Heyman and that he was like so bent on being a good Muslim and it was causing so much like internal strife with him and that he was like hiding from his parents and that ultimately led him to like kill her yeah. and he his side was like I mean like I love like I care about my faith but also I was dating I like I dated other people like you know he, he was like like very the prosecution very much like sort of typecast at him and which like yeah. ultimately played a large part in him getting convicted probably yeah yeah I met the lawyer the one who did the uh, Rabia Chaudhry she came here yeah. a couple of years ago and she spoke about her experience being the you know main attorney for that and she was like she's like just the amount of you know hate racism stereotypes prejudice that we had to face, and each time that we had to you know file an extension or file this or file for you know proper treatment in the jail it was she was like it, she was like on purpose like just to be whatever the 
the jail was feeding him pork sandwiches. They were like, just, well, why not? Just give him pork sandwiches. And she had to like file a motion like, can you please not like give him a peanut butter jelly sandwich for all we can't just don't give him like pork on purpose just to kind of, you know, I don't know, show like some sort of manliness or something. Mm-hmm. And it was very interesting hearing her vo- point of view because, you know, as the, as the attorney and it's like, and then I think, didn't they make an HBO special on it too? They the have. I haven't there. watched it though. Yeah. And I, I don't know if I've seen it. I think I've seen parts of it, but yeah, it, it was just this representation and it is still a lot of the after effects of 9-11. And I mm-hmm. think Muslims will have to deal with that for years to come, even though I think most of the, what is it? 16, 17 year olds born have never known a time of 9-11, but it's like the older ones who still kind of hold on to those, that idea, that thought. And, you know, and, and we also lost family, friends and coworkers and whatnot on that day. But it's like, well, no, you were part of the same religion as that guy. So you're all there and we're here. It's like, well, give a cut, cut us some slack, man. Right. Yeah, totally. I, I, I really liked your, at the time, since we were going to record last week, I, it was your most recent episode, but the one where you were interviewing this woman who was uh like working on a news, like uh, not was not a newscaster herself, but she was like behind the scenes doing production she's a producer, work. Yeah. She's a producer, right? Yeah. I'm curious as to your thoughts, like not just in like the entertainment media of like seeing representation in movies, but like what your thoughts are around also having, you know, Muslims involved in other forms of like, you know, in the news and then like, you yeah. know, other terps, you know, types of media like that, you know, and what, what do you think that has like a, like how much of an impact that has, you know? Sure. I mean, definitely you see much more newscasters, especially uh, on the bigger networks like CNN has a few and then like NBC has a few. Um, Fox is still trailing behind on that department. Like, <laughs> leave them <laughs> or faux mm-hmm. news as I call them sometimes. Like, yeah, yeah they're faux. Um, mm-hmm. What I liked when they spoke to this producer was that she's like, it's, it's great to be an anchor and be the face, but then you have a lot of like, People will be looking, oh, is this person a good enough Muslim? Or are they married? Who do they marry? What do they do? Are they, do they have kids? Or they don't have kids? But she's like, I find my role being in the back end more powerful because I'm the one deciding what stories get onto the broadcast. So as a producer, you never know me. I'm just the ear earpiece voice. But I can say, oh, you know, this thing happened and this affects a good community of people. Let's put it on the main broadcast. And she's like, my goal is to one day get to national news, but... Right now in Indianapolis, like if you see the broadcast, you will see things that are happening locally in the in that community that you probably would not hear about if you were anywhere else because the person in the back end is not someone who might think of them as important. And that's happened many times here. I've seen like rallies or events that are being organized by a Muslim organization. The news media will come here, like the local ones. They'll cover the event. They'll interview people and they'll say, yeah, this will be on tonight's broadcast at 10 o'clock. You'll put on the news. You'll pass like an hour and a half and nothing. All the right. baseball, football, all the sports and everything else. And then this store found some extra money. Da, da, da. And then it's like, well, who decided not to highlight the, Like if they're feeding the hungry right now, why can't they get a little bit of recognition for that? Why does it have to always be the same old, same old? Because again, the person in the earpiece said, oh, you know what? If And I'm not sure who they are, but what if they had the thought like, okay, well, the Muslim community did this, but you know what? This church did this too. So let's highlight them. So... That's what I like. I took away a great thing from uh, Eamon was that, you know, you need to be someone like how you said, Deandra, that someone writing it, it ha- actually has more control of it and they right. can be the catalyst in either bringing up the right things or 
saying that, hey, man, let's not put that in the show. Let's not write that. That, that would offend a lot of people or that could get rub a lot of people the wrong way because I know because I had a cousin go through this or, you know, so-and-so go through this. So I think the the power also, it's great that we are seeing more actors and whatnot who are representing Muslims well, but we sure. also need to see more Muslim writers, uh, screenplay writers, cinematographers, producers, whatnot, so that they can be like, hey, well, we can kind of change the narrative. Frini, thanks so much for sitting down with us today. I just have one quick wrap-up question for you that has very little to do with our topic. Are you ready? Sure. <laughs> um, what are you doing to stay sane during the Rona? During the Rona? <laughs> well, I already got the Rona, so I went through the Rona. Oh, you got it? I got the Rona. <laughs> the vids got me. My husband gave it to me. He's a medical professional, so yeah. then he's always seeing it. So I did get coronavirus, and... I actually put a piece out there and I'm, my next episode was going to be something else, but I'm going to be talking about my experience because it is not the CDC experience. It's my experience. But what I've been doing to do sane is just kind of accepting that this is what we have to do. I think the more you and me being a very social person, I would love to be out and about, but just accepting that, Hey, you know what, if this is the best way to be safe and it's doing for the bigger picture and trying to flatten that curve, then just accept it and kind of, and ease up. Like all the rules have eased up in my house. <laughs> Completely. Yeah. You want ice cream at two in the morning? Go for it. <laughs> yeah. I think I think that easing up thing is like definitely easing resonates up. with me because I'm just really ease up. Seriously. Don't don't worry. Yeah. Like last Thursday, I was like, man, do I want to eat like half a pizza and like have a lot of whiskey? I guess. Yeah. <laughs> like it doesn't matter. <laughs> you want to binge watch a show? Go for it. You yeah, want to eat something random? Go for it. You want to sit yeah. in the back? Go for it. You want to draw with chalk on the walls? Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially for kids, I feel like I, 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 there's this New York Times article being like all of the anti, like like the war between the parents and the screens, like the screens have officially won. You know, <laughs> I, I didn't even fight the war. I was like, you know what? Here's my white flag. Kids, you guys can have iPad all day. Just do your work, your schoolwork, because because our school has actually started doing schooling online in the mornings. So I'm like, do your classwork, finish your homework, go wild, <laughs> go wild. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> We've put blocks like I, I mean I'm pretty techie so I I blocked a lot of like the websites I didn't want them going to, and if they're playing hours of Pokemon, we have at it, man. <laughs> have fun, <laughs> go for it. Um, Find me a Pikachu. So I think you um, you told us about your podcast, but I don't think you ever said the name. Do you want to plug it and its social and everything? Sure. Um, it is called Musings with a Mod- Modern Muslim. Me being a modern Muslim, and um. If you can find me on Instagram, on Facebook, everywhere as M3Freeny, because I'm just trying to keep it simple and kind of the MMM. My logo stands out because it's actually an anime character because I had um, a video game artist. I commissioned him. I found him on Instagram like randomly. And I was like, he does a lot of those um, like those Disney and Squaresoft video game designs. So mm-hmm. I was like, can you design me? <laughs> and he's like, sure. Yeah, so that's, that's awesome. Cool. I really love your logo. Yeah, and and really stands, well everyone's like, oh, that's cute. And I was like, yep. Final Fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Um, anything else? Any, any, other, any other things you want to plug? No, just, just my, me, myself. No, I'm joking. Uh, no, just <laughs> I think uh, everyone, please follow cdc.gov, who.net.com. <laughs> please, let's please be safe because you yeah. really don't want the Rona. <laughs> <laughs> A beautiful I'm, I'm one of the few and far, far between who are, you know, I mean, because I'm in the age group where it's not 
so bad. So it's like, okay, thank goodness. But there are equally many people who just, a lot of stories my husband brings up. I have family who are doctors in New York. So the things, like we told one of my cousins, I was like, you should just consider getting therapy because you are not doing well because of the things you're seeing. And this, uh, she just started, she just became a doctor a year ago. So I was like, well, welcome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and as always, if you heard something you liked or you didn't like or you have any questions for Freeney, um, you can find us at I'm the Villain Pod at Gmail. Mm-hmm. That's also our Twitter and our Instagram. Uh, cool. uh, otherwise, uh, bye.